Geek Shock. Geek Shock. He's like, and can you sign here too? He's like, perfect. Here's your letter. Thank you so much. And we'll need a blood sample. Took off, and I'm Please like, Please tell me he had a, a hat to, to doff. Uh, he <laughs> did have the standard mail carrier hat. Beautiful. He did not doff the Damn hat, it. but uh, uh, he did say, You have a wonderful day as what, he took off. Was he doing the Phil Lamar bounce? The, the what now? The, the, the Phil Lamar bounce? The Phil. No. Okay. But uh, it's it, like, it's, what's the Fillmore bounce? The it's Fillmore funny because uh, that probably was a thing too. My grandfather was a mail carrier for like thirty some odd years um, after he got out of the military. Was he a jolly and mail carrier like this gentleman? I he was a jolly guy in general, but yeah. I don't think he was doing the mail carrier. I'd have to ask my dad on that one because I only got to. Uh, he was pretty close to retirement after I was born, so um, I just I, I remember writing in the. Uh, the, uh, the those little jeeps with the uh, the little white jeeps yeah with the the steering wheel on the right hand side I rode with him a couple of times I have vague memories of that because I was only maybe three or four at the time wow nice so like I said just I don't really think really of anything three and four really maybe four really vague memories but uh, weirdly my weirdest my earliest memory is one really I yeah. don't believe you I think I, it's I, a false I don't memory. either but I explained it to somebody I, I described it to my dad and he was like, that was you can't remember that, and yeah. What's the memory? Uh, it's just it was just the uh, why is the that world's guy, fair? I was gonna say why oh. is that guy taking a thing like a cigar cutter towards uh, my ah? Uh, <laughs> 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 Welcome, folks. It's Geek Shock number four hundred and three. I am Master Torgo. Eighties Jeff. Commander K. Fact check, Dandy. And we're here to talk weekend geek. Matt can't join us tonight because he's been impressed on the service and he's cleaning up Houston. Is he that what it is? He's a sandbag. Oh, he's the sandbag. Yes. He's this. He is a he's sandbag. A sandbag. He's being used as a sandbag. I see. Yeah. Calling into service from yes. Vlarg. Did Vlarg call him down and say, I need you in front of my house? No, no, no. It's the government now. Anybody who's not a naturalized citizen gets called in as a sandbag. Okay. Which, while we're on the subject, ladies and gentlemen, Barry and Deb are fine. I talked to them both yesterday. They have, uh, as of right now, avoided the flooding. Their house was in danger. They had some friends rescue them, took them further inland and north. As of right now, they are doing very well. I know a couple people asked on on the uh, Shock Monkeys yeah. there, so I wanted they, they they wanted me to relay that they are fine. And, in fact, uh, Barry sent me a text. Oh, he did. Cool. Uh, his official words to let everyone know that he is okay. Okay. Uh, he said, "I have to read this as an old timey telegram." Okay. So, right. <laughs> Newsflash. <laughs> so uh, here is Barry's official statement: In dire straits, stop. Low on scotch, stop. No internet, stop. Rioting imminent. Stop. Send Chinese food ASAP. Stop. And it ends there. <laughs> yep. He's had a lot of posts about wanting Chinese food, and he always, seemed to be, he always seems to get it somehow. He did tell me yesterday, <laughs> though, when I was talking to him that... Uh, well, there are a lot of stray dogs. He's like, ah! he's like, the only emergency we're having right now is that we're really, really low on booze because the liquor store that was nearby was completely out of power so they weren't doing any sales ah. mm. and uh they he said they had limited time to grab stuff from the house but he said he grabbed like a couple bottles of wine and uh i forgot what else <laughs> that, that's great so, so lower himself to wine. Well, that tells you a lot about barry but also no, barry does drink a, wine frequently yeah. 
But uh, that strikes me as a as a really bad businessman. All the other ones are like gouging and charging, you know, quadrupling the prices. Right. He's get, oh, we don't have power. Fuck, we're not going to sell anything. So, so yeah, he said he was able to grab a few things when he got out of the house, but they'd already gone through it. So, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Barry's but, uh, fine. He has sandwiches. Yes. His, his biggest concern is that he can't. He didn't uh, download Civ Six on his laptop before he left. He's yeah. fine. My brother keeps sending posting pictures of fire ant balls. Fire ant balls. Yes. Balls of fire ants yes. are happening. Yes. Oh, you mean that, that float through the water? Oh, right? yes. Yeah. Yeah. I have not seen this. That's what happens so, when fire ants get flooded out. They they uh, they, they climb they, up and make a giant fire ant raft ball thing. Yeah. And it's, it's, hard, uh, it's almost impossible to sink it. Is this one of those when the log rolls over, we will all drown jokes? Is that one of them? No. What it is is like. Really what happens. Yeah. Ants can. It, it, and I think fire ants especially can last for like several days underwater. <laughs> I would so, hope so. If this is their so their no 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 no, no, no no so like when there's flooding, flooding when there's flooding and, and so forth occurring, then they you know their their nest gets disrupted. They basically band together. They all like lock together and form this giant you know either flat or like Andy was saying, uh, like a flat raft or like a ball. And uh, like when they do the ball thing, they rotate in mm-hmm. the water that so that sense. so that some of them have exposure to the oxygen, mm-hmm. and then they rotate through. So it's a way to keep the whole colony alive. Yeah, because that thing's going to keep moving. And so it, as uh, horrifying as that is, when it hits something dry, dry ground, yeah, it just explodes out. <laughs> yeah, it really does. Really, oh, it goes. They they Living go everywhere. Living, Living or, or dead. dead. Wow. Live or die, man. So that's what that's I want. My see. nightmare. That, that's what I want to see in my next James Gunn action movie mm-hmm. is that somebody throws somebody in front of a fire ant ball. <laughs> that's I want that in the next Marvel movie. Right? Yeah, Ant Ball Man. <laughs> yes, Ant Ball Man. That would be a glorious moment. Apparently, the Ant Ball is the, the nemesis. The Ant Ball's nemesis is soapy water. So just you know. So so ant- what happens when they hit soapy water? They, they lose the ability to float. You can, oh, so they, they the ball crumbles yeah. and they just all float away and they sink. Oh, that's, maybe a, that's we'll a big to, risk. Maybe we'll get to see it in the Ant-Man sequel when he learns to talk to the ants and gets them to ball up and then they Entertaining he throws and at educational. The yep, absolutely. Yep. Gentlemen, what geeky things you do this week? You know what? I'll go ahead and start this time Excellent. because I finished Luke Cage. Good oh, for you. Get the fuck out. I watched all Luke Cage this weekend. Well, the rest of it, I guess I should say. Mm-hmm. Uh, fine show. Yeah. I like Luke Cage a lot. Yeah. Um, Yes, Diamondback is definitely. I don't know what happened in the writing with Diamondback. That's it's his motivations just did not seem genuine at all. No, his his character was the one that I'm like I don't, I don't believe this one at all. The story it's like, the, like this <clears> fell <throat> apart. It was it was obvious that the the story was really all cotton mouth. Mm-hmm. They had no story after. Yeah, it was a severe desire to tie the villains into the hero's origin too. Yes, um, that and, that much was obvious, and that stuff that. isn't from the comic. That's sure because I because I, I I was driven to look at Diamondback, you know his yeah. his origin on the Marvel wiki, and he's like a a friend of, uh, right, Luke, Luke Cage. Cage. Uh, I was going to say it's his alter ego, but. Yeah. Uh, and they were like in a gang together, right? And, you know. Luke Cage doesn't have a military background. He doesn't have a, a armed forces background. Right, have right. a cop background. All that yeah. stuff has made it for the uh, for the. I don't even universe. know why they made that decision. I don't either. I don't either. And then uh, there's a like a a love triangle, and that's where the hate comes from. So I mean, it's about as strong. 
Sure. And it's the and the character is the same character the same character as his wife in the uh the the woman involved in the love triangle is uh, what's her name? Riva. 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 Okay, so that's from the comics as well. The name is the name is. I mean, yes, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, because that's that's uh, yeah. not similar. But so. I don't have any problem with them changing it from the comic. I think they're doing a great job in making a whole other thing with the Marvel universe, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which I that includes the TV. It's all tied together, so it's yeah. But uh, who really does shine in that second half is Misty Knight. Oh yeah, she's mm-hmm. terrific. As is night nurse, as usual. Yep. So, which they finally actually identified her as night nurse in uh, Defenders. Did they? Yeah. Okay. I was wondering when that was going to come. Yeah. But uh, so I have started episode one. I've seen episode one of Iron Fist. Sorry. Oh boy. Yeah. That's yeah. why well, I feel that I'm a completist. I need to know. Okay. Well, <laughs> you're at episode one. You've got the next. The next one you're going to watch is best episode in the whole run. Okay. Now, <laughs> I want you to. I'm going to. We have an opportunity here, so we're going to make use of this. You're watching Iron Fist clean. Clean. You've heard, you've heard Andy and I talk about how uh, the martial arts don't look incredibly good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I read a very interesting uh, review. A guy was talking about Defenders. He actually likes Finn Jones as Danny Rand, and he likes what he's doing. And the way he described it is he says the martial arts, we're used to kind of wuxia, we're used to uh, Chinese movie martial arts. He feels, Andy, you think about this too, that the martial arts they're having Daniel Rand do are basically from the comics, which involve these big, wide, open moves a lot of like horizontal flying through the air and kicks and stuff like that. So he feels the fight director might be shooting for an emulation of the comic book martial arts design from the 70s and 80s. I'm going to have to take a look at some of those yeah. Iron Fist co- So think about that. Because in that yeah. first episode... I'm like, oh, Iron Fist is kind of a judo guy because he does a lot more like throws and and, right. and twists and and using people's momentum against them. He's kind doing of moves. he's doing a lot of defensive stuff yeah. early on, mm-hmm. but eventually, eventually, it does kind of roll into you know is mano it, a mano. He throws a punch in the first episode of the Defenders within in the first five minutes that is the most unbelievable punch I've ever seen in a movie. Well, he does have a glowing fist. Yes. Even with the even oh. if you take off the glowing fist, it's like that is a punch that would do nothing. Okay. <laughs> it is it is it as bad as like the uh the David Carradine Kung Fu moves where it you looks know, like I he's have not never doing seen, anything. I've never seen Kung Fu as an adult. I've only seen okay. it as a kid yeah, who was I just gobsmacked over how remember. cool it was. What about Kung Fu The Legend Continues where it looked like he was never ever doing anything. It was like somebody would throw a, like an actual mean punch and he'd be like uh, uh, uh. You need to be watching <laughs> Jeff. I only watched a few episodes of right that and, I'm, and he was an old man at that point in my head. So Jeff, Jeff was making this pulled back face oh. with open <laughs> mouth with very femme uhs. <laughs> I just want, yeah. want you to get the visual of what we saw. The, the, any of the audience that saw that that sequel series knows yeah. what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. About, I mean, about it, was, it was a weird series, that's for it sure. It really was bizarre. Taking a step back, the uh, costume for Diamondback, I remember when I, that shows up, I'm like, that is the 
dumbest looking costume I've ever seen. What the hell it are they was, doing? It was. T- I, 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 and then, looking at the wiki, I, I saw what Diamondback looked like. And it's pretty much it. That's they, it for the they comics. They got it. <laughs> there is a definite argument to be made that I know fans get upset when they don't put the, co- the superhero costumes exactly as they are in the comic book on the screen. And there are some when, reasons for that. I was going to say, well, and when they do, they look ridiculous. I, you, you know what? It, it's funny that you make that point because at the same time, you know, Luke, I mean, Luke isn't isn't comic booky at all. When When they do put in a reference to his 70s costume, it's a bit of a joke. Sure. As he's making his way out. And it's all very comical yep. looking. So it's, <clears throat> I mean, for the Marvel TV series, I think uh, uh, they, if anything, I kind of like what they do in terms of making a co- making a costume, but not, not emulating the four-color comic book to the point that mm-hmm. it looks awful. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So, I mean... Although I'm still a big fan of Daredevil, yeah, uh, Daredevil well, looks good. Well, well, I'm a big fan of the Daredevil with the black scarf. Oh, the rat yeah. face. The rat mm-hmm. that was I, really cool. I, I, I really like that. I, I sat there for the first half of Daredevil one, going, I would so love it if they actually found a way to keep this. And mm-hmm. I know they're not going to, but I really wish they would, right? Because it actually does look cool. <laughs> and then it's funny. It's it's no big spoiler. But uh, the first time in Defenders, the first time Daredevil meets Jessica Jones, she's like, "Nice ears," and he's like, "They're they're horns." <laughs> that's in a previous too. That's, that's in a previous. You're not giving away anything. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> well, I I did start back up Jessica Jones. See if I can get through it. Um, I got like three episodes down this hey, last week. All right. so. Wow! All right. We'll see. Is that uh, has Tenant appeared yet? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, they. Uh, I'm the episode after they tried to kidnap him. Mm-hmm. So it's the one where he just bought the house. Oh, yeah. And, and then at the very end of the episode, they reveal that it was her childhood home. So nice. that's that's where I'm at with nice. it. All right. Um, so I think I have like four or five episodes left to go. Something like that. It's probably as good a place to mention the Misty Night thing. Did you see that on the, on Shock Monkey's Lair? Where oh, I, the uh, the post with the arm? Yeah. Well, the for, arm, arm wasn't the big Cage deal. 2. I, somebody posted that, and I went back, you know, complaining about the arm, and I went back and was like, eh, yeah, that works for me, whatever. And then it got into this whole thing about her being too old and too out of shape to play Misty Knight. And I'm like, argument over, stepping away, you're yep. an idiot. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so that's what that Facebook post was Yes. <laughs> She's... Uh, she works for me, Fine. Man. Yeah. I got no issues with Mr. Yeah. Knight. And he's talking about how much older she is than, 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 than Luke Cage. And I'm like, look it up. Nope. She's, yeah. six, she's six years younger than him. He's 41. Did you know that? Nope. Damn good looking for 41. I guess 41 is a new, you know, 20. If, 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 That's what uh, they keep telling if us. If Carl that. was here, he'd say, black don't crack. <laughs> <laughs> Give us the whole lecture. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, with Luke Cage, when she was on the screen, it shined. Uh, when the bad guys were on the screen, it stopped shining. Mm-hmm. Um, and oh, not with, not with Cottonmouth. Cottonmouth. No, no, he was great. Yeah, yeah up up, and up until that moment, and then when they switched to uh, just being, well, switch over to Diamondback, I felt like out of nowhere. And yeah. then uh, I can't remember the politician's name. Uh, right, Mariah. Black Mariah. Mariah. Black Mariah in the comics. Mariah. Um, I I can see her. She sometimes works as a villain, sometimes didn't. Yeah. But again, 
I, I enjoyed it all the way through, even in its lowest points. Um, maybe the last fight I didn't like all that much. Mm-hmm. It, it, that was that was a very disappointing fight for me. Yeah, I was, I I was agree. actually just like, wow, guys. Yeah, and part of that's the costume. It doesn't look like it can do anything. It looks like yeah, it looks just, like fatigues with a backpack. Yeah, really. It, I, I, it's so weird. It's so weird because it does look exactly like the comic, but at the same time, you can't help. You you really do feel that they they were like guys. We got three episodes to go, and we're running out of money. Right. It especially looked bad because he's wearing a Halo helmet. I don't know why. Mm. Yeah. Halo. Halo. So I I will say this about Mariah. I I didn't like Cottonmouth dying, but I did think I actually did feel that was a badass scene, and I think yeah. that she was pretty I, good. No, I, I was, she loses I was her shit that. and gets yep. rid of him. Yeah, it was, and it creates an arc for her. So that's. Yeah, good in that. Um, so, and, and I think there was something to that. The whole side story, because uh, let's face it, it kind of became a side story, but it should have been the story about the weapons that could hurt Luke Cage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and these can be used on other superheroes as well. Right, that's a good arc, and they seem to be that seemed to be like an arc that kept. It's a C story that's going to come back here and there. Okay, mm-hmm. probably it'll be a lot of the next one, I assume. But yeah, let's find I, I, I kind of hope so. Yeah, because that's interesting. It's like okay, there's a way of taking out superhero vigilantes, and this is it. Judas bullets. Good name. Too. Yeah, yeah. Good name. So, uh, Cabin in the Woods. You saw Cabin, I saw in, the Cabin Woods. in the Woods after a discussion last week. Oh man, I can't wait to hear what you have to say. I, I loved it. It was astounding, <laughs> and I, I I have not seen a ton of those movies, and I was still going. Oh, I know that trope. I know that trope. I'm like, holy crap, that's right. That that is exactly the way everyone dies in every one of these things. That is the order. Yep. It's like wow. That is that is a serious formula. It was. It was. I still remember you and I went to see yes, it. Yes, we did. And and as soon as they did that cabin, in, you know that big burst of the. You and I just turned and looked at each other and we're like, oh, okay, this is what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> and we just sat back for the ride and uh, that whole bit at the end when, uh, oh, I've forgotten everybody's name now, but the one one of the scientists is just like, oh, come on. <laughs> right, right, yeah. right. Oh. Uh, Bradley Whitford, I think, was yes, the Yes, 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 yes. Uh, yeah, I loved the mass release of all of the... Right. The... Horror movie trope monsters. Oh, and the Japanese school kids. Yeah. Oh, fucking. I mean, just a little thing on a screen in the motherfucking background. And uh, it yep. was just one of my favorite parts of the whole fucking movie. Well, so that movie's what now? 10 or 15 years old, is what I'm hearing now? Jesus. Can't be that long, can it? I don't think no, so. No, I would Let's say it's uh, six years tops. Six years tops. Uh, I would say it came out uh, 2010. 80s is there on it. Go. That's that's what I'm gonna say. I'd like to believe that because I don't. I'd hate to believe I was missing a movie that maybe good. Maybe 2011. That long. 11. <laughs> good, good. I've been missing Very it that good. long. That I'm not that big an idiot. No, no. But it is one of those movies that if you haven't seen it, it's best to not know much going in and just let the story right. wrap its arms around you and shake you and kiss yes, you. Yes, so yeah. If you still haven't seen it, see it now. I don't think we've spoiled anything yet. No, not really. Yeah. But yeah, that that movie makes me giddy. Mm-hmm. That, that I I never buy those companion books like mm-hmm. you know Star Wars source books and you know the little the, the how the the I just to throw it out there you know I don't know Close Encounters of the Third Kind and it's all full of pictures and mm-hmm. but I, doesn't There's, even really have like behind the scenes stuff. It's just like 
photos of the movie. Oh. So are you saying you would never buy my Mr. Scott's Guide to the Enterprise? That is correct. Okay. But I did buy this book. Next-gen technical the, manual. This, the, and it's just a collection of pictures and some background sketches of all the craziness that happens in this movie. Yeah. I can't love Cabin in the Woods enough. So, Scoop John B., uh, when you're doing your uh, your horror movies watching, make this the very last movie you watch. <laughs> that makes perfect sense, yeah. Um, and, yeah, Joss Whedon, you know, great dialogue, great back and forth. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. That's, it's just a beautiful, hor- a true love letter to horror. Yep. That, and I started watching uh, Twin Peaks, which I didn't see the first time around because... Oh, the, the original yes. run? Let okay. me, wait, wait, I'm going to back this up. You are watching the new Twin Peaks, or are you watching the old Twin Peaks? The old Twin Peaks. Okay. That's good. what I just I hear the new Twin Peaks isn't good. Oh, I missed the... So, yeah. that's uh, It really makes you... I, when I went and checked, X-Fix, X-Files is no longer on Netflix. Okay. Because I wanted to go... Now I want to go and watch uh, Jose, Jose Chung's... Whatever the hell is that? From thing. Outer Space. Is that, is that what it's called? Jose oh. Chung's From Outer Space? Yes, sir. Because now I recognize completely that that's a giant Twin Peaks riff. <laughs> I have the complete run of X Files yeah, on Blu-ray. Okay. Although they just announced that they are going to have a new limited run season, so I don't have that one. Uh, okay. Obviously, but uh. yeah, I really enjoyed the f- that first season of Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. I guess you can say all the way through the the, the mystery, and then they started losing me after that. After they revealed the uh, the murderer, or yes. revealed what was going on, yes. And yeah, I agree. It, it definitely definitely loses some oomph right there. And Firewalk with me, I know it's heavily lauded, but that movie just made me feel ugh when it was all done. So I assume Firewalk with me wraps up the loose ends from the original thing. So sort so the new, of. yeah, it's, this is Lynch we're talking yeah. about here. So the, Firewalk the, with me is essentially a prequel to the Twin Peaks television series. Oh my god, it, it go it goes back it goes back to. Oh, goes Laura, backwards. Laura Palmer before she dies. Yeah. Some some of the characters you see in the television series, they do. I'm gonna say limited origin stuff. Like uh. you, you do see Dale Cooper in there, but mm. it's it's before he ever goes to Washington uh, State. It's basically what happened, to Laura Palmer. Washington. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, that's the new series, or that's Firewalk with Me. That's Firewalk. That's the movie Firewalk oh, okay. with Me. So All watch right. the series. Then watch Firewalk with me, and then if you want to try watching the new series, you good know. luck. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's tough. I mean, they're it, it, it's it's literally down to the final episode, and some of the things are now just finally starting to make sense. Uh, this Sunday episode, I, you know, I don't want to give away, away yeah. but uh, you, you know, if you finally got the Dale Cooper character back, yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> it's God weird. damn it! It's been a whole fucking season. Now he comes back you, you for want, for the finale. You want some anchors, right? <laughs> and he's an anchor. It's a it's weird watching it uh, with modern eyes because you know, first yeah. of all, at one point somebody has a cell phone. It's like, oh my god, it's, <laughs> it's a giant. You know, it's one of the bricks. Yes. Oh yeah. Um, was it Leland? No, it was. Oh. Um, was who was it? It was the. Jailbird, the guy, the 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 uh, diner owner's husband. Oh, uh, diner. Owner's I know what you're talking husband. about. I just can't think of his name right yeah. now. Sounds like a Lynch script. Right. I, I've forgotten that already. Yeah. What's funny is that when that was out, I re- didn't watch it when it was out. I I probably watched the first season of Twin Peaks mm-hmm. five years ago. When it was out, I was always getting Twin Peaks uh, confused with Northern Exposure. <laughs> 
Wow. <laughs> so people, so my, my teacher would be like, I really like Northern Exposure. That's a good show. And I'm like, isn't that the freaky one about the town? He's just like, yeah, it's about the town. I'm like, okay. Um, so nice. yeah, I, other- it wasn't until later that I split them up fine. I could not get into Northern Exposure. My parents watched that and I would just sit there and go like, what was the one that was out about the same time as the X-Files? Definitely written a, for adults. We, it was it was sort of... Buffy the Vampire Slayer. No, it was sort oh. of a mix of Twin Peaks and Northern Exposure. Um, <laughs> okay. It was... Um, oh, I'm not sure. Tom Skerritt was in it. Um, Picket Fences? Picket Fences, that's it. To Pick, what now? Picket Fences is a combination of Twin Peaks and Northern Exposure? Yeah, yeah. It was, it was like small town weirdness. <laughs> I never really watched I've, Picket Fences, but I've, I've never gotten that description. I've heard, yeah, I was gonna say I've heard the name. They had Picket a crossover with the X Files. I never watched it, but uh, they had a crossover with the X Files. Yes, they Picket did. They did what now? Yes, Picket did. Fences. Had a Get on that, Jeff. X Files. Uh, yeah, fact this, check. I, fact check. I, I've seen like the first four, or five seasons of X Files. I don't remember a crossover with Picket. I Fences. don't think. I don't think Picket Fences shows from X Files. I think X Files shows from Picket Fences, and it has to do with cows. There's some sort of thing with the cows. It's 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 not an it's not. Are you no, saying they had an homage in the up? episode? To no, the other no, there series? was there was something the creators actually worked together on. Okay, they actually they actually uh, curiouser um, and curiouser. Yeah, it is. It's yeah, I don't. I think Set they could not Rome, do it officially. Wisconsin. This drama mystery series revolves around a small town where strange things happen. The central focus is the Brock family, headed by Sheriff Jimmy Brock and his wife Jill, the town doctor. <laughs> Along for the ride are Kenny and Maxine, the sheriff's trusty deputies. I love this voice you're using. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's that's one of my many radio yeah. voices. <laughs> and Fivish Finkel for the defense. <laughs> yeah, when I when I used to do like voiceover stuff back in film school, they would always ask me to do something. To do that voice different. They like that voice particularly. Uh, that particular one I did do a couple of times yeah. for like a trailer. <laughs> and that's when comedy ensues. <laughs> it was funny you said that, uh, Andy, because. That's like my major memory of Picket Fences is, I think, Ray Walston won yes. by either an Emmy or a SAG award or something. Right. And his acceptance speech, he kept going back. He, I want to thank this person and Fivish Finkel and blah, blah, blah. And Fivish Finkel, who really, and, and apparently this, Fivish Finkel is like a saint <laughs> he was very kind uh, to his fellow actors and really helpful and stuff. And Walston just like he could not, he could not um, uh, say enough about him. Fivich Finkel was an old actor from Yiddish theater who hadn't really had a big part. I, in, I in, don't know the name. I love the name. He was in this, and he was he was like in two or three TV things. Yeah. Um, but in this, he was uh, an uh, attorney who was very good, but also very uh, out there. And I can't remember, what the, char- like I can't remember what the character's name was, but he. That, I say that's what. And he, you never will because Fivish Finkel locks onto your brain does. and never leaves. No joke. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's. I've never heard too many names that were earworms, but that is one of them. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what else you do, gentlemen? Uh, well, we had a marathon of Imperial Assault. Maybe that's why Matt can't make it. He's 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 exhausted. out, licking his wounds. <laughs> yeah, we actually got a, a an uncommonly early start on Sunday, and we played four missions of Imperial <coughs> Assault. Now, how long's a mission? How many take? hours is that? <laughs> yeah, it 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 takes about an hour and a half, two hours, and we just marathoned right up till about ten thirty, Jesus, or eleven o'clock, and uh, because we were starting to advance, and we finally got enough equipment. 
that we were starting to kick ass. And it was really funny because in the last the last uh, mission, Lewis was just totally despondent. Lewis, Major Mech, is the one who plays the Imperial side and runs the, the, the mission. And then the uh, Matt, Paulette, <clears throat> Lewis's wife, Stephanie, Andy, and I go up against him. And he's just sitting there. Yeah, I, I don't see how you guys are. I, I can't do anything. You guys are going to win this one. <laughs> yeah, okay, Andy, you go next. Because Andy had finally built his character up. He's like he's like this. Actually, it's really funny. Andy has got a character who's pretty much like his character in Call of Duty Zombies. He gets in the middle of everything and then just spins around shooting everything around him. So you're saying that Andy has built a character that is immune to Andy's roles? <laughs> uh, no, I just have got some lots, lots of modifiers that allow me to hurt everything in the room. That's, that's my, what I mean. My, it, whereas roles be damned. Kirsten's yeah. character is essentially a tank who rolls in and hits things for big points. I wander into a crowd of, of, of bad guys and hit all of them for some damage. And the more of them there are, the more, the, the more of them there are around me, the more bonuses I get. Yeah, it's kind of like General Grievous. Yeah, it's it's kind of fun. Yeah, kind of fun. He's a, he's a he's a Rodian, so he's a Greedo. Ah, um, das And it's pretty yeah. good. Yeah, no. <laughs> Don't tell him. <laughs> <laughs> One of the more recent uh, American Dad episodes. Uh, Rogers telling a story, and Stan goes, "Wait a minute." I have to roll to see if this is something I'm going to actually be interested in. He rolls a d20, and it rolls 19. He goes, damn. All right, tell me the story. (laughs) And then at the end of the story, he goes, I got to stop using this thing. Well, let's see if I stop using this thing. Rolls, and he's like, I guess I keep using it. Puts it back in his pocket. It's it's a total throwaway zine, but it was cracking me up. Sounds like something I want to keep for my own personal life. What else to do, guys? Uh, I went to Big Bang Toys today. I happen to be on the uh, west side of town again. And, uh, Big Bang Toy. Yes. Uh, it's on West Sahara. It's actually in the next... Because you guys were chiding me about not going there. And I'm like, I didn't even know it was there. I almost didn't even see it. Sure. If it hadn't been for the idiot in front of me in the left-hand turn lane that missed every single opportunity to turn left that she could... There you go. I, I happened to be sitting there scanning. I'm like, because I don't even see this She place. was sitting in that car going, God damn it, Jeff. Would you notice the store already? I really got to get home. She's one of those geek guardian angels. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I'm like, I'm scanning. I'm like, because I looked at Google Maps before I, uh, you know, I got into this left-hand turn lane. And I'm sitting there going, I'm like, well, it says it's right there. And I'm like looking at all the signage on the thing. And it's probably the smallest sign. Yeah, it's stuck in, in the there. corner. Yeah. So it's like a... it. it yeah, exactly. Tucked in right, the corner. You found so, it. What do you think? Found it. It's pretty cool. They've got a decent collection of stuff there, and was, uh, they're always adding stuff. Was he working on a model? He had a star destroyer that looked like it was about three quarters done on the uh, on the uh, glass case off to the side. That yeah. dude puts together some amazing models. It's worth going into the store just to see what he's working on. Fun. Some of the things were priced over what I would normally be able to find them for. It'll but, work uh, with you. Yeah. That's what I, if I'd have got into it, I probably would. And then uh, I ran into somebody and I didn't catch his name or I've forgotten. I'm, I said that, uh, he goes, are you Jeff? And I'm like, yeah. Uh-huh. And he's like, oh, I'm friends with Paul and I listen to Geek Shock. Ah. And I'm like, oh, cool. Ah. Thanks for listening. Nice. So, Thanks, mystery so shout person. shout out. Yes. Sorry. I can't remember your name. I was doing so much stuff that at that point in time and then looking around the store and I just... My memory isn't what it used to be. <laughs> so looked it up. Crossover between the X Files and Picket Fences. Yeah, I just they, I have it too. Yeah, they wrote it. 
uh, and they didn't get permission. There was one was on CBS, one was on Fox. Of yeah. course. So they forgot to get permission with where they wrote them. So they just changed certain elements of them, but they're they're basically a crossover. Yeah, I was gonna say basically. Yeah. Basically, so is it Scully the interview, and Mulder? The interview they with had the to two characters for that. Yeah, what they yeah. didn't they didn't use Scully and Mulder. They had two yeah. other FBI agents. Yeah, that's written to be. Scully so they and didn't Mulder. use the Covney and no no. Yeah, they said uh, so. It was Andy, a- that is one of the biggest fucking letdown stories. <laughs> I'm like envisioning Duchovny yeah, and make- Anderson going on picket fences and doing their thing, doing a cameo at least. Yeah, that, that's well. That's what uh, that's what they wanted to do. What I read was an actual interview with the. And they the, almost the did it. They <laughs> almost did a crossover, and they said they wrote <laughs> it basically. They wrote it where it, it, Jesus it, Christ, <laughs> the script. <laughs> They said the script that was supposed to be two FBI agents come into the town, and so they thought it would be cool to have it be Mulder and Scully. I think Christian just left the show. But, uh, <laughs> but after they wrote it, exactly what he said, the, the, the two networks were like, no. So they had to rewrite it as two other generic FBI agents. So that was, that was the whole cameo. It was a cameo, not really a, a crossover per se. Okay, but it was on Picket Fences. And the kid, yeah, it and, was going to be on Picket well, Fences. And the X-Files episode was supposed to take place in Rome, Wisconsin, and they had to change it to someplace else in Wisconsin. To, so, so that really wasn't Picket Fences either. No, but it was, it was written that way. <laughs> All right, I'll just accept <laughs> that. <laughs> Andy's the reason why I drink. <laughs> You must drink a lot then, because you've known him way longer than the rest of us. Butter beer? <laughs> That's fireball on ice. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, anything else, gentlemen? God, I did something else. What the hell else did I do? I can't even remember now. Um, I've been watching a lot of Critical Role. Hmm. They're really good. That's the uh, the voice actors playing D and D, and that's on and Geek and Sundry. Yeah. Okay. And they do an extraordinarily good job. They've, they've really got their technical setup down and everything and the way, the way they split the screen and the way they, they run through it. And they really go into it, too. It isn't just they role play themselves uh, to, to real, real big lengths. It's actually very fun. And they're expanding out. You'll be happy to know, Todd, I don't think it's on Geek and Sundry. There's another channel called alpha have you heard of alpha alpha it's, channel? it's like a streaming channel of some sort i, I haven't familiar. checked it out because you a got, youtube channel i uh, no no oh. no no it's some kind of thing you have to join okay. oh. and uh, i haven't looked at it they actually have done dread i like on, dread uh, yeah so they've done the the horror thing where the jenga tower is your is your mechanic and um I'm I'm very and it's really interesting how they've done it too because they've got this the, in the preview I saw this giant man tall uh, Jenga tower oh fun and they sit around it's a set made up to look like a campfire outside of a cavern a cap cabin derp Andy yeah I know <laughs> and um, they actually play the game out there running through the scenario and everything like that so. Very, very interesting. Very, haven't been able to, like I said, Alpha, I don't know what it is. It's some new channel or something. And it. all I heard is you have to subscribe. And I'm like, well, I'm not doing that. Yeah, so. that's, yeah it's, it's terrible that we got to the point. It's like, I'm not even just signing up yeah, for something. No. Mm-hmm. I've signed up for enough. 
Yeah. Their their actual page it says uh, it's projectalpha.com. There it is. Says all of the nerdist and geek and sundry content that you'll love all in one place. You're about to experience the first platform to offer everything. Start your free 30-day membership and join dun, us. Dun, dun. Nope. Yep. So, free 30-day? Nope. That's how they get you. <laughs> they had a day on, and on Project Alpha. It sounds interesting too. They got some interesting stuff. They showed a brief clip of what they're calling celebrity D and D, and there is uh, some celebrities that come on and play some D and D. Like when Critical Role had Vin Diesel on a couple years ago, right? And the episode they showed Jessica Chabot, Laura Bailey, Chobot, Chobot. Yep. Okay. That's what she says anyway. All right, and. Uh, one other individual whose name I can't remember, but you guys would know from like Nerdist. Patton Oswald. Nope. <laughs> no, not a nerd. No. The Nerdist. Um, they're playing with... Who I met last week. Oh, I forgot his name. Uh, the guy who plays Sam on Game of Thrones. Sam oh. Tarly. And so, and it was his very first time playing D&D. I actually saw bits of that one. Yeah. It was on, I saw it on YouTube, but yeah. Now mm-hmm. you can see it on Project Alpha. No. For 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 money, yeah, yeah. Project Alpha, you've failed to sell us. Now, if you want to, you know, bribe us, I'm so are they doing it. their own thing, <laughs> or are they just reusing old content? Um, I think it's a combination of stuff. Okay. I think it's going to be a lot of, uh, like they said, geek and sundry and nerdist stuff coming together on one uh, one stream. This says it's that they're hosting live TV events, um, movies, streaming stuff. It says, hosted by Nerdist and Geek and Sundry, Alpha is one huge celebration that everyone's invited to. As a part of the experience, you'll get live programming, movies, early access to our existing beloved series, forums, access to special events around pop culture happenings, and the chance to win awesome prizes. Hey, if I wasn't broke-ass broke, sure. I, I, I actually sure. would be interested in subscribing, but it, it's literally just fiscally impossible mm-hmm. for me. Sure. So... So but yes, Andy. I met, internet, met, yeah. I met Chris Hardwick last week. Oh, okay, nice. Where uh, he? Uh, well, I was at work, but I'm not going to say where work okay. is. But, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> uh, no, uh, Jeff works at a brothel. Yeah, an illegal brothel. He's uh, the bouncer. Um, he and Will Wheaton and uh, Chris Hardwick's mom were there to see Steve Martin. They were in town, I should say, to Steve. To uh, I can't talk now. Cut, Boy, the, Andy, cut, this, already cut this all out. Make did, me, uh, did you bury the lead there? Was like Steve I'm Martin Andy. there also? No, Steve Martin <laughs> was not there. No. Um, I ran into He was them. almost there, Andy. Almost. I ran into them because they were in town to see the Steve Martin show. Sure. Uh, Steve Martin and Martin Short. And uh, so uh, I, I had to go up and say hi to Will Wheaton because the last time I saw him was when uh, Darren and I were basically getting him drunk at Cork's Bar. Fun. It's like 16 years ago, and we actually got him in in trouble with his wife because, you know, we're we were just literally just totally geeking out. Like the three of us were just geeking out about this, that, and everything. And we were talking about the, all kinds of stuff. We talked about different TV shows and movies, and we're just anyway. It was a great time. It was one of the best memories I have the experience. And uh, so, did he remember kept, you this kept, time, or or did he? he did he was good, do a good job of faking it? He remembered. He said he vaguely remembered that evening because he did have quite a bit to drink. And uh, I said, yeah, I had to apologize for that because uh, we got you in trouble with your wife. Because um, she's st- like, we kept, you know, handing him another beer, handing him another beer at, while we're talking. Because you know how it is. Like, if you're at a bar and you're you're excited and you're sure. you're talking, you just start 
drinking whatever's in front of you. Well, right. She's behind him giving the cutoff sim- symbol. And, uh, and Darren's behind and, Jeff giving and, her the finger. <laughs> no. Actually, Darren was the one just handing him the next beer. So... Possibly anyway. the finger in liquid form. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Liquid finger. I was giving her the liquid finger, if you, you know, know what I mean. mean. <laughs> but yeah, he's like, he's like, oh, wow, that's cool. He's like, that was like almost 20 years ago, wasn't it? And I'm like, yeah, it was like 16 years ago. And and he's like, he's like, well, I'm glad somebody remembers. And he's like, well, thanks for coming to say hi. It's good to see you again, blah, blah, blah. And then, uh, of course, uh, Hardwick introduced himself. And I said, it's very nice to meet you, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, well, this is my mom. And. She was like really nice. You got to meet Hardwick's mom. I did get to meet Hardwick's mom. Was Nerd, she Nerdist, hot? Nerdist mom on uh, on Twitter. So, but yeah, no, they're totally cool people. It was like another thing checked off the geek card. So. Nice. You got a you got a lot of checks in your geek card. I do. I really do. And a lot of it was from just working at the experience. Right. Oh yeah, that'll do it. Yeah, that's, geeks gravitate there mm-hmm. on that. That I mean, was hell. I got to meet uh, Seth MacFarlane and uh, Seth Green working and, there. In many ways, you had it better off than the actors because as a bartender, you could actually talk and interact with these people on Absolutely. a level that we couldn't. Right. Yeah, we just had to say, this way, sir. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then like when you guys are on the floor, you you can't break character. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know um, who you are. It's 2371. But uh, like when Ron Moore came in, I still, I still give Darren shit about this. Uh, Ron Moore came in. It was like 10 minutes before we were about to close. And uh, he had brought some friends in that were um, writers and producers and stuff on Battlestar Galactica at the time. So uh, he's showing them around Cork's Bar because the ride was already closed at this part. Uh, But Darren was like a manager um, when there was no manager on duty. So even though he was, you know, a bartender, they gave him the keys and then said, you know, here you lock up and everything. And so all the duty and responsibility, none of the money. Yeah, exactly, okay. <clears throat> exactly. Which happens to a lot of people. Trust yeah. me, I've been one of those myself. But uh, so, so Darren's like, you know, Ron Moore's telling his, you know, he's like, yeah, he's like upstairs they have this ride. I wish we'd have gotten here earlier. And you know, they have full recreations of like the Enterprise D, and they've got this Borg thing now and. And Darren's like, well, hey, you know, I've got the keys. I can take you guys upstairs if you want to see it. And he's like, you're kidding me. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Come on. So now that so, is using your power. So right. Darren abandons me at the bar. <laughs> oh, that's great. No, 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 no. He, I wanted to go up with him, too, because I would, I would love to but sit there. Then there would have been chat. no one at the bar. Exactly. So, and there, we still had we still, service. We still had customers at the bar. So <laughs> I got stuck down there and, and had to start closing the no. bar and everything. All right, everyone, and, pay your tabs and get out. I'm all with Darren but, on this one. <laughs> no, I just, it would, it would have been nice because I would have loved to gone up and gotten Ron Moore's take on a lot of the various uh, areas and so forth forth because you know yeah this man helped create a lot of that stuff so but anyway no yeah i've got stories all kinds of stories like that but yeah you're absolutely right kirsten i did get great opportunities to interact with some of these people on a a much more personal level yeah i mean you know like todd was saying when i was starfleet i just had leonard nimoy looking at me uncomfortably while while we're doing this show and even when i was castran one time bill campbell came in Oh, and I nice. met him as Castran, and I wanted to talk to him, and I just couldn't figure out what to say as Castran, and it just, I just, I couldn't talk to him, and it was, oh, God. It took me a long time to get to where I could talk to you guys in character, because you would try to talk to me about real-world stuff, 
but in in code. Yeah, you have to code. And I'm like, uh, I'm I was, fucking not following It's always you. so funny too because for us it is second nature. Right. And so when we're just like, so how is the second in command? Is she still on her mission? And the people would be like. <laughs> you know and it's like just tell me is your wife at work or not that's all i'm asking mm-hmm. you know it, yep. oh god it was so funny. yep anything else guys mm, not that i can think of i think that's it i'm very excited about the geek shock book club book for september oh excitedly excited it is lord of light what by oh. roger zelazny oh sure people pick it when i don't propose it <laughs> It, this is great. Yes. In fact, I'm, I'm holding my copy right now of Lord of Light. This is a copy that Kristen gave me years ago. Yes. Even inscribed on the front uh, to Todd, Truth and Rebellion, the greatest science fiction novel ever. Kirsten. There you go. So Now, this is not the Lord of Light from the Game of Thrones. Yes. Right? Okay. This is different. Oh, no. No, it's the, it's the one from Game of Thrones. It is. <laughs> No, no, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> I don't this is a know. Science fiction novel from the sixties. Yes. George okay. R. R. Martin took the entire chunk from model from, uh, <laughs> yep. novel yep. from the sixties, dropped it right into Game of Thrones. Yeah. Had to settle know, a, a lawsuit with the Zelazny estate very quietly on the side. Yeah, to- right. And you know all the Zelaznys, they're all related. There's yes. only like three. <laughs> if you're if you're in the United States, your name is Zelazny. Yeah, you're related you to this yeah. guy. It's a it's a great novel. Um, it is a bit of its time, so it'll be interesting in the discussions to talk about some of the bits and pieces of it that are very 60s. Huh. But I think thematically, it's just amazing. It is just absolutely amazing. College uh, professor friend of mine in New York posted today on Facebook that it's finally happened for the first time in one of his classes. One of the students had no idea who the Beatles were. It's going to happen. Wow. That yeah. stuff's going to happen now. You just, we just got to live with that sort of thing. That's an, that's an old, uh, it's funny because that's an old Billy Crystal joke. Yeah. Yeah, his daughter is oh, like, Oh, that's right. Dad, mm-hmm. Paul McCartney was in a group before Wings? Right? Sure. <laughs> the goddamn Beatles. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Liver spots bursting on my hands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, great. I'm glad that this one got uh, selected because it I is. Because my, my problem as a reader is and really as a consumer of pop culture in general is that i am very much an ooh shiny and i look off somewhere else <laughs> so i i kind of it's one of the things i love about the book club because it focuses me on something i might not have chosen otherwise because mm. i'm like i'll get to lord of light but i have this other thing this thing thing i have to read first but first and, i have another 53 dark tower books to read yeah so <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 it i mean uh, i know nick mamatas and uh, I'm familiar with him and everything, but I don't. I don't think I ever would have picked up "I Am Providence" without the book club. And and so. and and, and, I, and I, again, thank you to everybody who nominates every book, whether it gets chosen or not, because it introduces me to so many other titles that I want to read mm. and other shiny objects to look at. So thank you. Even mm-hmm. even if the book doesn't get picked, trust me, I am reading the descriptions of every book that you suggest and writing them down for myself personally. And I'm sure that the other Shock Monkey readers are doing the same thing. Because I, I see the you go on Goodreads and the people that I'm friends with on Goodreads, and you can see them just start like loading up their I want to reads uh, behind that stuff. So so thank you for everybody who gets involved in the process. Neat. So, yes, Lord of Light, we start discussing it on the 8th, but don't feel like you have to finish it by the 8th. Join us when you're done, as 
it's a it's a very very loose book club absolutely for the night is dark and full of terror yes <laughs> speaking of terror news you don't give a shit about yeah not so much terror as annoyance i like that not so much terror as annoyance that's the, the byline the night is dark and full of annoyances <laughs> uh surprise uh, i have two of them and they're both uh warner brothers dcu things okay all right or as in this case, sure, non-DCUs. Sure, hit me in, the, in my sensitive spot. That's fine. And here's the thing. Mm-hmm. I, again, this is coming from a guy who actually likes the bad DCU movies, as mm-hmm. other people consider them bad. Mm-hmm. I think like Batman v Superman is okay. I was entertained. Yeah, I, I, bought I it. loved it, especially yeah. when I got the the uncut version. Yeah. Uh, Suicide Squad, yeah, it's full of problems, but I was entertained. Right. I mm-hmm. wasn't saddened by it. Yeah, I get where people are coming from. They're not great works of art, but the thing is that that it seems like DC is still, or at least Warner Brothers is still in a struggle to figure out what their universe even is. Right, and I think it's I think it's the studio trying to pull DC people in to get it. Right, and then going, but can't we do this instead? That seems After very they, right. I mean, literally, it's you know, I it, Biggs and I talked about this once. It's like it's like they'll bring on somebody that is familiar with the source material, and then they do that whole studio thing where like, well, what if he's not this, but he's this? And then it's like, no, well, that doesn't stay true to the source material. And it's like, well, what? Well, what give if, it a shot. What what try yeah, yeah so let, let's just try it. Let's let's try this. <laughs> Uh, news you don't give a shit about. Warner Brothers is moving forward with its Joker Harley Quinn standalone movie. Uh, Jared Leto and Margot Robbie, who played the villainous lovers in Suicide Squad, will return to this as yet untitled film, which isn't scheduled to go into production until after the Suicide Squad sequel. According to The Hollywood Reporter, sources say that the project has to be fast-tracked to contend with the actor's holding agreements. Uh, the Hollywood Reporter's article also states that Glenn Ficarra and John Requa are in the final talks to write and direct the film. The pair are executive producers and directors of NBC's This Is Us. I'm not familiar with it. I, it's, I heard one description it's, it's, as weepy. It's uh, very popular with like families and adults who like uh, heartfelt type shows but interesting choice I've it's a never, tv check flick i've yeah i've never watched an episode but apparently its ratings are like through the roof well other credits the, du- the duo have written or directed together include crazy stupid love mm-hmm. bad santa and whiskey tango foxtrot sources say what that the fuck <laughs> sources say that hoker slash hoker slash hoker jarley hoker jarley hoker jarley hoker jarley Joker Harding. Joker slash Harley. Oh, Harley. (laughs) Will be a criminal love story, which tells us nothing. Yeah. Yeah. uh, It's funny because I keep, I recently stumbled across my, in my Facebook memories, one of those memes of, oh, when I grow up, I want to have a love like Harley (laughs) and Joker. And it, no, you don't. It's a a one-sided, abusive, mentally and physically yeah, love. Sign me up, baby. <laughs> it's the that, passion they gravitate to. That was one of the problems I had with the Suicide Squad flashbacks. Is like when he jumps in to save her, because Joker would not have done that. You know, it's you know, it's unless he needed her for something. That's yeah. true. That's yeah. true. You're right. But it clearly was out of this whole you know romantic, you know, kind of notion because she said she would do anything for him. I I. I would have loved for that moment for her to jump in and him look down and be like, wow, she did it. 
Yeah. And then he jumps in after her to fish her out. Like, you yeah. know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, his face went from the whole, oh, she did it, to, oh, I've got to go save her, you know, because I love her kind of face. Uh, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, no, Joker I would, doesn't do that. I honestly have no problem with this one. I, 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 no, I'm not, I'm not that. Oh, there's worse. This okay. film will also fit into Warner Brothers' main line of movies based on their DC properties, a.k.a. the DCEU, as opposed to uh, the Joker Origins movie, which will fall under the studio's newly revealed secondary line of DC films that will, quote, allow for the making of movies that will stand apart and separate from those big budget tent poles, unquote. Yeah, because weren't they going to cast Catwoman. somebody completely different for Joker in the standalone yeah. Joker movie? Yes. Yeah, I thought that's, so. That's, at least okay. that's the report so far. And there's a part I don't give a shit about. Yeah. They fucked it yeah. up. It's 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 going to be confusing enough without... Uh, these are other stories that have nothing to do with the main line of... And I have, and have nothing not to do with the TV shows. Yeah. Three DCUs, yeah. basically, is what it comes down Which to. Which is what DC screwed up way back when they had a whole bunch of different universes before they... History repeats itself. Yeah. Oh, boy. Um... As far as the Joker Harley movie, I would love to see them do it and then have it end with her breaking up with him as she has in the uh, DCU. Hmm. That'd be fun. Okay, I'll, I'll get behind that. Yeah, uh, I, you know, I will say I, I'm Leto's Joker is probably my least favorite Joker, but I'm not against it. I know I'm a lot of people. I know yeah. a lot of people are very like, "Oh, it's terrible. Oh, that's not my Joker." I get that, uh, but. The way they have him designed and the way that he's playing it, it, it works for what they've shown us yeah. so far. Yeah, I'd like to that. see what some of that cutting room floor stuff was, but yeah. But I, I, I'm I curious know. to see that Joker fleshed out a little bit more, so cool on this. Although, I, going to Jeff's concerns, I do have a feeling that even they don't know what this Joker is. Nope. Right. <clears throat> I think the writers and the director probably want to know what it is, but... Well, that was. I don't even have a guarantee of that. Well, yeah. that that was two movies for the price of one painful. We can probably skip the next, the second one. It's no, 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 no. The next is very important. Uh, news you don't give a shit about one mm. film that has been in development hell over the years has been Justice League Dark. The project was started with Guillermo del Toro working on it. He ultimately dropped out. Doug Liman, who did Edge of Tomorrow, was the most recent director attached, but he also ended up dropping out due to creative differences. Since then, the studio has been meeting with directors to take on the project. So far, Warner Brothers has been underwhelmed by the pitches that they've gotten from directors they've met with. And according to Justin Kroll from Variety, the studio is going back to the drawing board on the script. So just to clarify, this is really Justice League Vertigo, right? Kinda. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what you you've got uh, Constantine, Zatanna. the Enchantress, Zatanna, Dead Man. Uh, Did we say Swamp Thing? He's dead. Uh, maybe. Is Swamp Thing in it? Swamp Thing know. is part of Justice League Dark. Yeah. Okay, that could be interesting. Uh, the Demon. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. Etrigan. Yeah. Uh, screenwriter on the form of men. Uh, and, and, and talking in verse, which I really am behind. Mm-hmm. A screenwriter, John Spaths, has been hired by the studio to work on a new script. Spaths worked with uh, John Derrickson on the script for Doctor Strange. And they've also hired Gerard Johnston, who has been hired to do a polish, I'm guessing, on the original script. So there's two scripts, I guess, being worked on. Uh, uh, Johnston did a... Uh, he's behind the, 19th, uh, sorry, the 2014 film Housebound. I don't, I'm not familiar with that one, but that's what impressed the studios to get him that writing gig. Is that 
Oh, vague, vague memory. Was that like a thriller or a some kind of horror? Given that thing? this is given that this is yeah dark, I I, I would assume so. Mm. Hmm. But I'm not familiar with boy, it. Boy, boy, very vague memory of hearing about that. I'm so, old. so Justice League Dark. Back to the drawing board. The pitches they're receiving, they don't like. I like Justice League Dark. They did the animated movie. It was pretty decent. Yeah. Um. So it it, it can be done. But creative differences. We, I wanted to make a movie that didn't suck. I I, I think <laughs> the I think the true answer is to lure Guillermo del Toro back because yeah. this is really not only his wheelhouse but kind of his baby to begin with. Yeah, yeah. So if you want it done right, I'd say he's your man. Yeah. He's not involved in the Hellboy thing. Nope. Yeah. But nope. he's got his own things going on. He's got sure. Pacific Rim 2 going yeah. right now and he's got about three other projects God lined up. Damn it. I want him to do Mountains of Madness. Me too. I really do too. And he wants to do Mountains of Madness. We're all in agreement on this. Except the studios. Studios well, he don't was, think was, Lovecraft is money. But that's all I got. Good. So you want to do some Weekend Geek? Weekend Geek! Wow, I'm, I'm surprised you didn't have the, the Google parking thing in there. <laughs> I don't follow parking news, Jeff. There's only one person who does. I Tell rely, us. No, I, 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 rely, I rely on you for this. I Give figured, us a report from Parking no, News I just magazine. I thought you were going to put it in there as a lark to, to hit at the very last episode just to, <laughs> to get my goat because I saw it on the... You, you revealed this is the last episode of the show. Why did you do wow. that? Top secret. Jeez, we're not supposed to reveal that to the end of the show. It just mm. popped up in my nudes feeds today. Your nude scene? News Ooh, feeds. Yeah. Oh. News wow. flash. What am I fucking mumbling over here? 80s <laughs> Jeff is doing porn now. <laughs> Gotta pay the bills. I am the producer. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's, what's this Google parking yeah, thing? Yeah. You've, uh, oh, you really want me to tell you this? Yeah, story? No. I just, uh, Inquiring uh, minds want no, to know. No one else Not really. Do you need a minute to prepare while we talk about something else? No, okay. it's apparently it's an add-on to the Google Maps app, which now tells you the availability of parking at the places you search for. Oh. That is not news. Well, I that give is a not, whether, whether it yeah. will be ample or not. That is news. Mm-hmm. I give a shit. That about. was for you, Barry. <laughs> we care. We care about you, Jeff. I will, we I don't know, know that this is very important to you. <laughs> It's not. I just, it was funny that it came up in the feed today, and I was the whole day. I'm like, this is gonna be a news you don't give a shit about. It'll be like the last story he tells, just to just to get my goat. Well, I'm now. not taking the piss out of here. There, there is a parking innovation. I don't know if it's only in, must be in other places, but it's starting to crop up in a lot of parking lots in Vegas. And I love this innovation with the green lights and the red lights. It's glorious. Oh, yeah. oh, that is. If you haven't run across it, is this when you're parked in a spot, the light turns red. What does? The, there's a little light. There's whole a whole row light, of lights above yeah. the cars. There's a row of lights above the cars. So, they so you go, can, if they're red, that means there's a, par, a, a car parked in there. And they also have little signs with numbers that tell you how many spaces are available in each row. So you can look down a thousand foot of parking lot and see a green light in a distance and go, yeah. I can park there. That's the important thing to note. Because in the initial stages of your explanation... <laughs> It does kind of sound stupid. Yeah. Oh, I got a light. There must be a car. Oh, look, there's a car there. I right. can't park there. But you're right, because I use that too. It and you saves get, you circling and circling. You get that line of red, and then there's that little bit of green, and you're just, ooh, someplace I can go. That and uh, the uh, some of the parking lots now, the some of the Caesars parking lots where you can park for 24 hours with your, with your Nevada license, Yeah. they now have uh, license plate recognition. 
So you don't even have to swipe your license a second time. It sees yeah. your plate and opens it up the gate. Oh, yeah. That's well, right. A yeah, lot of them have that. MGM, yep. uh, if, when, when I was working there, if you wanted to submit your license plate, you had recognition and the gates would open when you drove up. Mm-hmm. Nice. Now, there's some parking innovation we can get behind. Yeah. <laughs> Tune in next week for more parking news. <laughs> we can geek. I had to throw Barry a bone, you know. He's yeah. suffering. <laughs> he doesn't want a bone. He wants Bring- Google Guy Pen. <laughs> <laughs> and booze. I'll send him a bottle. I'll send him one of my bottles of scotch. Google Guy Gin. <laughs> you send him the booze. I'll send him the Chinese food. <laughs> yeah. Gets it three months later. Wait. <laughs> Uh, first news story hits me right in the right in the heart. Uh-oh. Horror director Toby Hooper. Man, oh, that's yeah. right. The man behind several iconic horror movies, including the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and one of my favorites of all time, Poltergeist, even though Spielberg really directed it, died on Saturday. He was 74 years old. Circumstances of his death currently unknown. Uh, Hooper got his start in the industry as a college professor and documentary filmmaker in the 1960s before breaking into the horror film genre in the 70s. His first big hit was 74's The Chain, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Small budget hit, shot for $300,000. It's been cited as one of the most influential horror films of all time, according to some critics, despite the fact that it was met with mixed critical praise upon first release. He followed that success with a series of other massively popular horror films, including the 86 sequel to Chainsaw Massacre and, of course, Poltergeist in 82, written and produced by Steven Spielberg. Hooper made a jump to television to adapt Stephen King's Salem's Lot into a miniseries. Hooper continued to work in television and film in the following decades, though he ventured into more traditional forms of writing with his first novel, Midnight Movie, in 2011. Jin... His final film project was released in 2013. So yes, Toby Hooper. I I have a love hate relationship with Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, that's it's not a movie I enjoy watching, and that's kind of the point. Okay, when you watch it, you're not supposed to sit there and go, "This is fun." It's a gore fest. that's supposed to terrify you. Well, that's just it. It's not really gory. No. Oh, it's just really disturbing and and really one of the. It's the 70s, and brutal violence was all the rage in the 70s. Last House on the Left. Ultra-violence. Yeah. And this is kind of the bellwether of that. And because it was shot for so little money, that it has a real you're-there edge to it. Real visceral yeah. movie. Yeah. Yes. Well, his, his documentary... Uh, Mm. background there kind of shows because it really does have that kind of and that's feel. one of what sure. like seven or eight movies that are t- based on ed gein more or less it, very loose yeah. really loose uh, in fact the most disturbing scene to me in the entire film it has nothing to do with the chainsaw it's the dinner scene and if yeah. you've seen the movie you know exactly what i'm yeah, talking yeah. about so it's a movie i appreciate for what it is mm-hmm. uh, but it is not an easy watch okay and a, and a lot of the scenes are in daylight too yes. i remember that is very striking about it it yeah. was. It wasn't that. And that's the, probably a money thing. It's probably cheaper, much cheaper probably, to shoot daylight. Oh yeah, it, it is. It's a lot cheaper to shoot. In yeah, daylight. but it's also. It's just. It's. Uh, you said disturbing. Part of me, the aspect to it is uh, the the sheer sense of helplessness. Yes. It's like you. They. You know. I never. I don't really get a sense of man if they just turned left instead of right. If they just made the right decision, mm-hmm. fine. It was just like, there is no way 
there is no way this can this can not by plot convention of a horror movie but there is just no way that this can turn out right for them and it's also it's obviously makes you i haven't seen it obviously so obviously it makes you care about the characters too you know what? Uh, surprisingly so, because it's not like they're deep characters right. at all. But it's that whole, the camera is a character almost into itself. The, I, I, that it's putting you right next to what's happening. I remember watching The Hills of Eyes with a bunch of people. And it was a, we immediately decided it was incredibly bad. And we stopped we're caring about anybody in it except for the dog. And we started doing a count for the dog. It's like how many people, the, how many, how many of the hill people the dog killed? All right, we keep in score. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. It's the, it's some of those movies from the seventy, the exploitation, they're emotionally brutal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, they really and they, and, they, and they kind of uh, recaptured that with uh, I hate this term, but as as some people put it, the uh, torture porn films mm-hmm. of the two thousands. But at that, and those were more that level of brutality with a heavy level of gore to it. Ah. So, so that's kind of that that married. So, is it the second or third one we've lost? Uh, we've lost Romero earlier right. this year, so already it's a horrible year for the great horror magnets. Well, right. Yeah, 15 December-ish, I think, was when Wes Craven passed. Or are you so, going off? Yeah, so Wes like Craven, that's the one sick enough. Last year, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so, no, that was 2015, but then we oh, lost, wow. uh, who did we shoot? We lost somebody in in 16 as well. Oh. I was I that's have to look that up because I mean, hey, like, it seems like we're losing, we're losing a lot of like old horror film directors. Well, you know, that's they get to be the age. That's that age, man. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of these guys are in their seventies now. Mm-hmm. It's true. So, yeah. So we step up, young Hollywood. Step up. Yeah, Eli Roth. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Neil Blomkamp will direct the Gone World. Based on Thompson, here we go. Sweater, sweater, sweeterlicious, sweaterlicious, <laughs> sweaterlicious, sweaterlicious, <laughs> sweeterlicious. Wow, he's so sweet. You're getting as good as mine, baby. <laughs> and he's not even trying. Sci-fi novel. <laughs> Andy knocks over Coke can. <laughs> not. It's okay. He's he's pushing it into the carpet. Yeah, just, no, I, I just was surprised that there was not a puddle on the There was carpet very little in the now. can, so it didn't actually spill. Okay, so it didn't <laughs> actually spill. It's just funny because I, I saw that go over, and I'm like, I start to go, oh, and I got to go grab the paper towels. And I look down, and I was like, wait a minute. There's no there's I, no puddle. I should have known when he got up to look at the notes. Yeah, really. Calamity was coming. Although Andy is forever saved by the uh, trifecta of catastrophe that was Vernon's visit. <laughs> Vernon's visit was funny because he did it twice exactly the same way. Yeah, yeah. And the second time he did it when he was trying to clean up after himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I still vividly remember go, Vernon! <laughs> Again? <laughs> Christian is so funny when he gets like really like aggravated at the, the, the hand motions and the way that he screams at people. I'm just glad I started the show in time to catch at least some of it. Right. <laughs> that day. Oh, my word. But anyway, Blomkamp's uh, directing The Gone World, sci-fi novel for the for 20th Century Fox. Uh, the District 9 and Chappie director took to Twitter to reveal the news. It's described as Inception meets True Detective. The Gone World is a time travel procedural 
slated for a February 2018 release and follows the story of Shannon Moss, a woman part of a clandestine division of NCIS. Clandestine? Clandestine. Ah, good. Yes. Uh, Here is the book synopsis. In western Pennsylvania, 1997, Hmm. she is assigned to solve the murder of a Navy SEAL's family and to locate his teenage daughter who has disappeared. Though she can't share the information with conventional law enforcement, Moss discovers the missing SEAL was an astronaut aboard the spaceship USS Libra, a ship assumed lost in the darkest currents of deep time. Moss knows firsthand the mental trauma of time time travel and believes the SEAL's experience with the future has triggered this violence. Determined to find the missing girl and driven by a troubling connection of her own past, Moss travels ahead in time to explore possible versions of the future, seeking evidence or insight that will crack the present-day case. To her horror, the future reveals that it's not only the fate of a family that hinges on her work, for what she witnesses, rising over time's horizon and hurtling toward the present, is the terminus, the terrifying and cataclysmic end of humanity itself. Wow. In the hands of the District 9 director. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Have you seen Long any, camp. <clears throat> any of his short uh, stuff that he's... Still haven't. I hear amazing. It's yeah. Amazing. I actually, uh, a couple weeks ago, stumbled across him, and I just spent the afternoon actually going through them. And it's actually really, really interesting stuff. I've only seen the little halo test he yeah, did. Yeah, no, no. This is this is a, a science fi- kind of science fiction horror-y. There's, a, there's one that had uh, one of the more creepy, uh, disturbing monsters that I've seen on screen. Hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, kind of aliens-ish, kind of event horizon-ish. And it's done in the... The Blumkampf way. So it's pretty good stuff. I definitely recommend. Go find him on YouTube. Go find that little channel. I forget the name of the channel or the studios. But go find it and watch that because there's some interesting. And it actually chains into a whole bunch of like little YouTube movies. And there are people who've got these full-on fucking hour-and-a-half, two-hour movies that are um, um, science fiction, zombie, or alien fighting epics and mutant hero things. It's it was it was a weird, it was a weird you, rabbit. You hole. fell down a weird oh, rabbit hole. Yeah, it okay. really was. And there's there's a whole bunch of shit out there on yeah. YouTube. You di- I didn't even realize. Jeff, well, you were strangely silent on this. This seems seems like you are you just the time travel. Yeah, I'm I'm just listening. I'm interested yeah. to see. What happens with and, it? And thanks to the shock monkeys. Plus, that I have love tried NCIS, to, so you know. <laughs> a thank you to the shock monkeys that have tried to suggest watching the Blancamp short films. You, you, you have brought these to my attention, and I just haven't gotten oh, around watching it. I've just gotten a cage. Well, he had so, to do cage. Yeah. yeah. I noticed there's a uh, on Netflix. There's a thing called Naked. This Netflix original. That's a guy trapped in an elevator on his way to his wedding, naked in a time time loop. Huh. I'm interested. Yeah, no, I, I haven't gotten around to watching it. Now that's a 13 episode uh, series. I think awesome. so. I don't know if it's <laughs> oh a 13. Ep- that'd be impressive. It was 13 episode time loop. Wow! Uh, in an elevator, he's going to be in the next Defenders. <laughs> what was the elevator pitch like on that? Oh, hey, oh. well, the elevator stopped and they were stuck between <laughs> floors, and they went, "Hey, <laughs> what if I were naked?" Right, and stuck in a time loop. I want to hear about an escalator pitch. That's a tricky pitch. <laughs> <laughs> A popular horror podcast series is getting an Amazon original series. Hosted by Aaron Mankey, the Lore podcast 
covers the horrifying true life stories that fuel modern superstitions and things we reference in our pop culture. The series will combine footage, historical photos, and cinematic sequences to help tell the tales that the series is looking to spotlight. The six-episode series will be based on the podcast's most popular episodes and is set to air on Amazon Prime Video October 13th. Really? This is this is your choice? This this is your it's one of them. I always did a few things. <laughs> Andy, why don't you videotape that Coke can as it goes flying off the table? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what I'll do with the 360 camera sometime. Just set it up like in the right in, in front the, of Andy, the, the, <laughs> not in front too of close. Andy, where he doesn't see it, and then when he knocks something over, we'll have video proof to show people. You, you know, it's gonna be the 360 I'll knock over. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> then you can watch it with the PlayStation VR and get that full 360 experience. You just, just eyeball that cocaine. Would you like to know what it's like to be on the set of Geek Shock? Now you can. Would you like to know what it's like to be a Coke can on the set of Geek Shock? <laughs> would, you, would you like to know what it's like to be around Andy? <laughs> just, just pour your drink on yourself. You got to be <laughs> Coke can Rick. <laughs> I actually, during one of our games like two weeks ago, deliberately set my drink behind me at the game table so specifically is nowhere near Andy and he still managed to find it and knock it over. Oh yeah. I did. I I have seen such things happen with my own eyes. For Imperial Assault I have to keep getting up because I can't see the the game map from where I'm sitting. You can't see anything. You're half blind right now. Two eyes, no difference. Oh okay. Okay. Although, yeah, I'd, I'd like my other eye back soon. It, it, yeah, I, I probably got another week or two. Actually, it's actually getting much better. Good. Good. Yeah. That's great to hear. Yeah. Are you able to like partially focus and stuff now? Or um, is it still blurry? It's still a little blurry, but I've only got a little bit of uh, the um, bubble level thing left on the bottom of it. Okay. So, it's almost full of water. Y- yay. Yeah. This okay. was supposed to be full. Well, okay, it's okay. supposed to be full of now. It will never be full of vitreous jelly again. Mm. <laughs> Not, not we all can't say that. So no. your yeah. so your body doesn't reproduce the vitreous jelly. Apparently not. Apparently it's not a thing you reproduce. Who it knows? just fills with water. Yep. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. Wow, Guillermo Guillermo del Toro just suddenly <laughs> like. Hmm. <laughs> I have a great idea for a movie. Now we have the fourth one. Peanut butter and vitreous jelly sandwich. <laughs> no. Yeah. An all-new, fully immersive Star Wars experience will debut this year during the holiday season at both Disney resorts. Coming from ILM X Lab, Lucasfilm and VR company The Void, Star Wars Secret of the Empire will pull fans into the world of Star Wars. The collaboration brings guests into a combined VR, AR, and real-world experience. You'll wear a VR helmet that works in conjunction with a real-world physical set. While the headset gives you the visuals that are uniquely Star Wars, the actual environment around you has physical and other sensory elements, a smell, heat, fans to pull you in further. Star Wars Secrets of the Empire opens in void experience centers at Downtown Disney and Disneyland Resorts and Disney Springs at Walt Disney World Resort this holiday season. In addition to environments, players of the experience will be able to interact directly with other players as well as Star Wars characters. While they're not explicitly saying what the story experience will be so far, uh, one of the executives, Vicky Dobbs-Beck, promises it's not just a tech demo. 
saying it will, quote, combine Lucasfilm's storytelling expertise with cutting-edge imagery and immersive sound from the team at Skywalker Sound, unquote. If the teaser key art released is to be believed, it looks like the experience may include an assault on Darth Vader's palace at Mustafa. Ooh, nice. Is it Mustafa or Mustafar? Uh, this, uh, I, I don't have an R at the end of this one, but Mustafa. this is Disney, so they might have just combined it with Lion King. Okay. okay. Oh, that'd be great. For an extra 20 bucks, you can watch Andy go through the VR experience. <laughs> I would pay big money. It's in 3D? I am t- Andy, I am taking you to Disney. Oh, good. <laughs> We're going to go to all the Disney virtual things. We're going to play, and I'm going to film you. Okay. I'm down for that. You have to pay. He'll be one of our Patreon. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> what would it like when Andy enters VR? <laughs> I, I, honestly, the contribute yeah, to yeah, Patreon yeah. and find out. I would do that in a minute. Um, did you say Void Experience Centers? Is that one of the word phrases you use? What the hell? Is that? Yeah, that's I. What the th- fuck is that? It's big letter, so Void probably stands for something. Mm. Some acronym. Virtual over uh, Disneyland. <laughs> Interactive Disney. There you go. Oh, okay, what's by the this way, bullshit with Facebook wanting me to check into Seven Eleven? Yeah, I'm gonna brag about that. <laughs> Jesus Christ, <laughs> mine does that too. <laughs> you know, Andy, there are a few things you put up on Facebook where you're like, you're really missing out if you're not at blank. And that's not Seven Eleven. Oh, I don't know, man. <laughs> I mean, I, I saw hair this week. If you if if it wasn't over already, it'd be a wonderful thing to see. Well, people the have heard of, of their hair, hair. so mm-hmm. that, that's not what I'm. Um, by the way, I actually tuned in. <clears throat> I wanted to listen to Sam's uh, uh, theme for us for uh, episode 400. Yes. So I tuned in to a little bit of episode 400, and, and I now understand the whole troop trope thing that I actually said, because I did say mercenary troop, Yeah. and I meant trope, but my brain was sure. thinking troop. It was just, it was very bizarre. This is our relationship. I knew you were wrong. I said it. You disagreed with Mark. Well, that's it. <laughs> He'll find out later. He'll know he's wrong later. <laughs> so so is he the idiot you were referencing at before that he had to walk away from? No, no. Okay. Andy doesn't walk away. <laughs> no, he just walks around me and lets the, the disaster and upheaval uh, build no, up. That was the Luke Cage thing. Or the misty, the misty, the, the, the chubby old yeah. misty night thing. What, you know? <laughs> Jesus, those those fucking millennials! You give them a real woman, they have no idea what oh, the fuck. This, this, <laughs> I'm sure I tell the story on the air. It's just wrong. Um, this this guy is a cretin, anyways. He's a guy I used to work with as a character artist, and he was just a creep. He was just this, this one of the most unattractive people I've ever seen, physically and mentally. And he had a thing for young girls. He's just way, way, way too attractive and too sexualizing young girls. All right, I'm creeped up. Yeah, and he said and he's drawing this girl one time, and 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 we at that point we had the setup was the two artists next to each other, so she can look right at me as she as he's drawing her and kind of leering at her, and she looks over at me, and goes, "I feel like he's undressing me with his eyes," Yeesh. and I go, "Oh, honey, he's long past that. He's thinking of <laughs> smoking a cigarette at this point." <laughs> <laughs> Yikes! Good joke. It bad, was a wrong bad to say, but well, I mean, you were, she you, were being, you were being honest. She laughed. <laughs> the, the the whole the, the the whole the fact that that conversation actually took place right in front of him. Yeah, no, he yeah. just just had has no 
social awareness whatsoever. Mm. Yeah, no mm. sense of shame. No sense he of shame. Care. He had the oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pitch it. I'm, I'm gonna you know try and hit every girl I see because you know ninety oh, and I'll say no, but no. yeah. No, Ugh. he's just but, waiting for that one yes. But that, yes, we never know. One hundred might like to fuck on a bag of trash. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he's a monster. Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, who worked together on Space to Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, Paul, and The World's End, are teaming up again for a genre project, a comedy horror movie titled Slaughterhouse Rules. That's rules with a Z. The duo is launching their own UK-based film and TV production banner called Stolen Picture, and Slaughterhouse Rules will be its first project, with the movie being backed by Sony Pictures. According to Deadline, Slaughterhouse Rules will be directed by Crispin Mills, who did A Fantastic Fear of Everything, from a screenplay co-written with Henry Fertz, Fertz Herbert. Fitz, <laughs> Fitz Herbert, that is a great name, who did The Love and Friendship, uh, with Peg and Frost executive producing. Here's the description. Slaughterhouse Rules is set in an elite boarding school. Welcome to Slaughterhouse, where boys and girls are groomed for power and greatness, and they're about to meet their match. The story's hero, Don Wallace, is a wide-eyed new boy from a modest background forced to navigate a baffling new world of arcane rules and rituals presided by sadistic sixth formers. Matters of states are aggressively enforced, and conversation with school goddess Clemency are strictly forbidden. But this ancient and ordered world is about to be shaken in its foundations when a controversial frack site on Prize School Woodland causes seismic tremors, a mysterious sinkhole, and an unspeakable horror is unleashed. Soon a new pecking order will be established as pupils, teachers, and school matron become locked in a bloody battle for survival. Mm. Under these two guys' hands, I think that sounds marvelous. Yeah, yeah. I mean... I'm kind of exhausted listening to the description. <laughs> yeah, so there's a lot to it. Yeah. And, I, and as a cold read, I might not have done it justice. I think you might have left a word I was going to say, out. yeah. I mean, if you'd have done a cold read on Shaun of the Dead, you would have thought, eh, but then it turned out to be an amazing movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of Sean, uh, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, did anybody see the uh, the little Star Wars bit yes. that oh. they did? Glorious. So funny. <laughs> beep, beep, boop, boop. <laughs> <laughs> Orlando Bloom. Now, this is actually goes back to one of our uh, red light, green lights. Oh, okay. okay. I, I believe this one got red lighted, if my memory serves. Uh, but this is where this one is at. Orlando Bloom is set to star in a new fantasy crime series for Amazon Studios called Carnival Row. He will play a police inspector named Rycroft Philostrate. What? I know it's the, you're missing letters there. No, I, in fact, I probably said more letters than I needed to. Here's a description: The series takes place in a neo-Victorian city, in which mythical creatures fleeing their war-torn homeland have gathered. Tensions are simmering between citizens and the growing immigrant population. Bloom will play Rycroft Philostrate, maybe Philostrate, a police inspector investigating the murder of a fairy showgirl on Carnival Row. Rycroft is not supposed to care about the death of another fairyish refugee, but he does. And getting to the bottom of what happened to her will come at a big cost. This will be Bloom's first starring role in a TV series. Actor best known for starring in Pirates of the Caribbean and Lord of the Rings franchises. Some of his other film credits include Black Hawk Down, Elizabeth Town, Troy, and Kingdom of Heaven. Carnival Row will have eight-episode run in its first season, 
It was originally supposed to be a movie, the script for which was written 11 years ago by Travis Beecham, who also wrote Pacific Rim. He will serve as executive producer on the project, and the series is scheduled to begin filming this fall for a 2019 premiere. Sounds better this time. When we read like green light, it it sounded awful. It sounds it, a little better. The description was is not that different from what I had in red light, green light. Tell you oh, truth. Orlando <laughs> sold Andy on I think it. So. Right. Was Orlando not involved in it before? Not before. This is oh, new cast. That, that's it. That did yeah. it. I think I'm still He's red light. Dreamy. He's <laughs> 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 got the best eyes. I love this next story. A Discover Magazine writer. And neuroscientist, who goes by the handle Neuroskeptic, composed a made-up research paper. He created a faux study about the force-manifesting midichlorians from the Star Wars prequels and their effects on biology, hoping to ferret out disreputable online academic quote-unquote journals. These questionable scientific sites prey on researchers, scientists, and authors hoping to achieve a wider audience for obscure works by charging them a fee to do so, often regardless of the paper's truth. This fictional examination of midichlorians, a, quote, absurd mess of factual errors, plagiarism, and movie quotes, unquote, inspired by the um, amusing meme series, was actually accepted by four journals, Mm -hmm. including the American Journal of Medical and Biological Research, which demanded $360 for publication, the International Journal of Molecular Biology, Open Access, the Austin Journal of Pharmacology and Therapeutics, and the American Research Journal of Biosciences. Neuroskeptic was astonished that the phony paper wasn't recognized as an imposter and rejected within minutes as a total sham. It not only used a whole passage from Revenge of the Sith's Tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise monologue by Palpatine, but also named the authors as Dr. Lucas McGeorge and Annette Kin. Dr. Annette Kin. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Thankfully, most of the online academic journals quickly saw through the ruse and returned the submission, sometimes with funny notes and suggestions of their own. Nice. Nice. That's as good a place to plug uh, (laughs) plug, uh, Squaring the Strange. Okay. Have you listened to this yet? Back it up. Plug what? Squaring the Strange. Squaring the Strange. Tell me about Squaring it's the a Strange. Relatively new skeptics um, uh, podcast. Okay. That my friend Celestia Ward is involved in. She's one of the producers. And uh, yeah, they basically, I'm, I'm sure they will take this and they will do a whole you know, section of an episode. It might be a whole episode, might be half an episode on on the, the this going to this in detail, going to the story in detail. That's terrific. Yeah. I love but yeah, they're, they're skeptics. They go, they, they do... Sounds like a show I'd enjoy. Yeah, they'll just take a subject, then they'll just cut it apart and go through all the details. And yeah. Squaring the Strange. Squaring the Strange. Right. Um, one of the guys is from Skeptical Inquirer. Yeah, so yeah. They got, they got some serious credit. Terrific. Some good creds. News from Valiant Comics. Bloodshot has been offered to Jared Leto which will help kick off the Valiant Cinematic Universe. We knew, <laughs> we, we knew this was coming. We said that, that Valiant was putting together movies. Bloodshot is the kickoff. No deal in place, nor have negotiations officially begun, according to the report by the Hollywood Reporter. But interestingly, uh, Leto did not appear on a reported shortlist of actors that hit the internet in May, with actors like Jake Gyllenhaal and Oscar Isaac in the mix. Leto, of course, recently played the Joker in Suicide Squad. 
Uh, he's r- rumored to return for as many as three more films, according to that contract. And continues his genre run with uh, Blade Runner 2049 this year. Uh, the question is, which bloodshot uh, Leto is in the running to play? The classic original character of the early 90s was a mob enforcer, uh, Angelo Mortali, recruited into Project Rising Spirit to become the ultimate killer against his will. The modern version, Ray Garrison, is a man with a troubled past, a lost family, who is searching for his own identity. Uh, Regardless of which version they go with, Bloodshot's star will have to sign on for multiple pictures. The plan is to release two Bloodshot solo films, alternating with two Harbinger films, culminating in a fifth crossover movie called Harbinger Wars, adapting the comic book storyline that pits Bloodshot against a group of Psyists, the valiant version of the more naturally super-powered humans. Other films already announced include Harbinger, of course, Archer and Armstrong. That's the one I want to see. That's the one you want? Yep. And XO Manowar. Yeah. Uh, Add one more movie and one more star to this list if a tweet from Dave Batista is correct. Batista was asked by a fan about a rumored Eternal Warrior movie, and he responded in the affirmative, saying he's, quote, really excited about EW, unquote, and that they're, quote, working to get the script fanworthy, unquote. While Valiant has no official comment on an Eternal Warrior movie, CEO and Chief Creative Officer Dinesh Shamdasani did comment on the Twitter thread saying, quote, I can neither confirm nor deny that Dave Batista just revealed a giant secret LOL, unquote. <clears throat> Eternal Warrior is one of three immortal brothers, along with Armstrong of the aforementioned Archer and Armstrong, mm-hmm. and Ivar, Time Walker, in the pages of Valiant Com- Comics. Uh, Gilad is his civilian name, tasked with protecting the Geomancers throughout the millennia, characters chosen by Earth itself as its protector. Uh, never read uh, Archer and Armstrong. Tell me about that. Oh God, it's been so long, and I, I'm sporadic on it. They, um, it was an, it was it was kind of uh, Luke Cage Power Man. It was oh. a good kind of Power Man Iron Fist. It was it was a uh, fish out of water martial artist and a more traditional brawler getting into stuff. Okay, yeah. Does I I don't think I've read a single thing in the Valiant comic universe. Yeah, I hadn't. I, I remember when it was huge. I had a friend. That collected them because they were worth so much in the 90s. If, if it surfaces <laughs> while I'm sorting through my comics trying to get rid of stuff, I'll, I'll bring it in. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> uh, so it's, I, I'm kind of interested in them doing a comp, Valiant comic universe if for only the reason that I'm going in absolutely cold. I going into Marvel, I know Marvel. I go into DC Universe movies, I know DC. Mm-hmm. I have preconceived notions of both these things. I have nothing preconceived about Valiant comic movies. What about things like um, um, Kick Ass? Had you read the Kick Ass comics before the uh, movie came out? I hadn't read them, but I was already familiar because of the buzz that they created, so I kind of knew what Kick Ass right. already was. Okay. I'm not saying I had a preconceived notion about it, but I knew something about the character mm-hmm. and about what Mark Miller created. Right. Uh, this one, I can't even tell you what any of these characters do. Scott Pilgrim. Uh, I read a couple of the comics of that one. Okay. Yeah, this is hard. It's hard to hit something you haven't already touched into, isn't it? Sure. So I'm, I'm trying to remain absolutely innocent. So I shouldn't give me those comics. In. No, Never mind. All right. There you go. Yeah, let's, let's, let's keep me as the control group. All right. <laughs> <laughs> the producing team behind Disney's Beauty and the Beast... And the director of The Muppets, James Bobbin, are developing a feature film adaptation of the sci-fi novel The Punch Escrow. 
Here's a description from the Tao M. Klein novel. The year's 2147. So this is some future sci-fi right here. Uh, 2147? Well, that's, that's, that's Blade Runner time. 2147? I was supposed to go on a break five minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> There's some deep cuts. There's some, yeah. some Star Trek The Experience deep cuts for you. hey <laughs> Advancements in nanotechnology have enabled us to control aging. We've genetically engineered mosquitoes to feast on carbon fumes instead of blood, ending air pollution. And teleportation has become the ideal mode of transportation offered exclusively by International Transport, the world's most powerful corporation, in a world controlled by corporations. John Byram spends his days training artificial intelligence engines to act more human and trying to salvage his deteriorating marriage. He's pretty much an average, everyday, 22nd century guy with everyday problems until he's accidentally duplicated while teleporting. Now Joel must outsmart the shadowy organization that controls teleportation, outrun the religious sect out to destroy it, and find a way to get back the woman he loves in a world that now has two of him. You mean John's? Sorry? John's. John's? He said John. There's two of them. John's. Isn't it John? Uh, Joel. 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 Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering what you were saying. Too. I was like, what? I just want to say the troop trope thing did not yield anywhere near as much confusing as that did. <laughs> I hadn't broken out the pillow also. So. I was like, I don't remember anything about prostitutes in this. Yeah, that's what I, I'm like. I'm, I, I, the whole point, I'm like, it's like, what? I thought, I thought Andy was I, trying to make it funny. <laughs> Uh, on top of the Muppet films, uh, Bobbin has also worked on Alice Through the Looking Glass, The Ali G Show, and Flight of the Concords. Hmm. Red light. <laughs> wow. Uh, Todd McFarlane announced that he will make his directorial debut with the helm of a new Spawn feature film to be produced by Bloomhouse Productions, hmm. which is the studio responsible for horror hits like Get Out, The Purge, uh, What's the paranormal activity? Okay. So those films. McFarlane has completed a draft of the script, which is billed as a dark exploration of the character. Is there any other kind of exploration of Spawn? I don't know. Is there any other kind of exploration of anybody? Oh, well, there you go. I can't hear you. Hello? Am I gone? Uh-oh. Did I lose you? Did I go? Right. Oh, there you go. Okay. You just, oh, yeah. we almost I didn't you. touch any buttons, man. That's the wires. What did you say? I said there's a crossover with Rainbow Bright, but that's you know, pointless at this point. Carry on. Yeah. I, I, boy, Andy pillowed himself. <laughs> I did. I think I'm going to recut that mic. Yeah. <laughs> this is the end of a very long road for McFarlane and for many fans who've been eager to see a Spawn, of, Spawn movie of the comic book because the original film was not that great. It was, it, was, it was a part of the, the 90s superhero yeah. explosion back when the Punisher didn't wear a skull and was played by Dolph Lundgren. Right. right. So. <laughs> yeah, we can make superhero movies for a million bucks. Yes. Yeah, that that's, was weird. That was like, that's all after Batman. They got it right, and then they made a whole bunch of movies that just didn't work. It's, didn't it's wanna... because they didn't know what Batman was. All they knew was, oh, wow, a comic book movie made a shitload of money. Let's make some comic book movies on the yeah. cheap. Yeah, right. they were just in strike while the iron is hot mode. They're like, "Oh shit, this yeah. is this is good. Let's uh, let's throw something together." And I remember being so excited about that Punisher movie. I when know I was you like, were really. 
Oh, I was a kid. Wow. And Punisher was one of the comic books I collected. I loved reading the Punisher. He's the one that yeah. that turned me on to Punisher because yeah. I, you know, I didn't really know anything about the character at the time. And Guys, like, I, I'm not. Oh man, you got to watch this. I'm not amazed about the Punisher. No, part. no of course. I'm not. amazed about the Dolph Lundgren part. Yeah. <laughs> well, and but that's just something like. Then they did the. The casting, I'm like, okay, Duff Lundgren, but they're making a Punisher movie. Get, how hard is it to get the Punisher right? They've kind of made wow. they've made the Punisher many times over in the 70s and 80s, basically. So all they have to do is just recreate that script. And right. no, they they my deep loathing of the character saved me from any but any of that worry about <laughs> it. Any of those, yeah. Now on the what's same, the, what's the good one? Is there's, there's one on Netflix? I keep wondering if that's a good one. Punisher of War. Yeah, the one on Netflix. Warzone. Is, is, Warzone. Is, is that's the it. Thomas Jane. Which oh that's yeah, okay. that's, that's just the Punisher. Yeah. yeah, and and they they made some they made some real fundamental changes that wow. were it was just we're not giving a fuck. Yeah, but, but Warzone is a good one. It's yes. also it, it's uh, directed by Lexi Alexander, who's a uh, really cool. She was a martial artist who was actually um, competing uh, was a competitive professional martial artist that was being groomed via uh, Chuck Norris, I believe, to be a movie star. Mm-hmm. And she very quickly discovered that she would like to direct. Gotcha. And so she's an action director. Uh, she's actually done a number... I think she's doing... Oh, shit. So a director She's understands. done a few... She's done a f- I believe she's done a few... Marvel, Netflix. She's directed a few of those. Yeah. So a director understands the physicality of something. Yes. Clearly, she had nothing to do with Iron Fist, but yeah. Okay. Right. Exactly. <clears throat> and she she understands martial, she understands martial arts, uh, and she understands it in a way, like you know, I mean, one of her comments in a podcast I was listening to was, you know, I don't care what kind of story you're writing, a 130 pound woman drop kicking a 200 pound man is not going to send him flying across the room and she went trust me i know you know <laughs> so it, it's 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 less about women can be just as badass as men as opposed to physics a realistic <laughs> approach to you know she can make women badass but she does it in uh in a very physics related in a very uh experience related way Punisher War Zone is over the top in a really fun way. Yeah, yeah, and it's and it's made with a loving eye. Okay, it's, it's and as, as far as Punisher movies go, yeah, that's the best one. Okay, and the Dolph Lundgren one. Well, Don't I'll you. just I I will say this for it. Todd introduced me to the character of the Punisher, and then also introduced me to the movie, <laughs> which was not so good. Yeah, that's friendship <laughs> for you. Yeah. Uh, have some I, ice cream. I was it's dirt flavored. <laughs> 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 It's vegan ice cream. Oh, God, no. No, not the vegan ice cream. Bastards. Was the Punisher, the Dolph Lundgren version, uh-huh. Was that even released to theaters, or was that released to video? It was released I to theaters. I believe it had limited release, yeah. and then they okay. just ended up dumping it on video, if I remember Because I had correctly. to wait till it yeah. came on a video to watch it. Oh. And any movie that I loved, I recorded onto VHS, you know, <sighs> six hours worth of... Oh, yeah. yeah. And yeah. that was back when they did pan and scan. Yeah. They didn't even care about widescreen. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Back when, yeah, if you did widescreen, people complained. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. What are the black bars? I want the whole movie. I what's all this black stuff on the TV? So when I rented it, I just recorded it flat out the first time I watched it. And when it was over, I'm like, well, I own it now. And then I recorded something after it, which means I couldn't record over it. So I kept Punisher for my entire time of the VHS copy yourself tapes. Mm. Lucky me. But this next one, I'm very excited about this next one. Okay. Super excited because this book was one of my favorite books, mm-hmm. uh, either the beginning of this year or sometime last year, like makes my top three list. If it's this year, it's still my top three. Sandra Bullock has been tapped to star in Netflix's post-apocalyptic thriller Bird Box. Oscar-winning Danish Helmer Suzanne Beer will direct the movie from a screenplay penned by Oscar-nominated Edric uh, Harrisser. He did the arri- did Arrival. Okay. Uh, here's the synopsis. Based on a 2014 novel by Josh Mallerman, the story is set in the near future where a mother, Bullock, and her two young children are among a small group of survivors after a mysterious alien force has driven the world's population to deadly violence. The three must make their way on a terrifying journey, 20 miles in a rowboat while blindfolded and nothing to rely on but the mother's wits and the children's trained ears. Oh, you've mentioned that. That was that thing. Mm. Yeah, that was a great book. And, that, and I said at the time, I'm like, it'd be cool if they made a movie out of this, but since almost all the movie is told by somebody who is not able to see with their eyes, they have to close them, because if you see these entities, you go mad. Okay. They're very Lovecraftian in that regard. Okay. So, and when you go mad, you go violent and kill things around you. It's hard enough to navigate by rowboat when you can see. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, and interesting. The the book is beautifully crafted. If I know some of the monkeys have read Bird Box. Terrific tale. I'm curious is would how it, they it, film it. Would it ruin it if you explain to me what the title means? Uh the I if I remember right, it's I'm a little removed from it. That there is out front a bird that the birds like chirp when the things are near. Ah, so there's okay. a box of birds out front of the house that they can listen if something is near. Okay. Hmm. Or something uh, something along those lines. Okay. So that's what the bird box is. But man, yeah, if, if anything else, I still highly recommend Josh Malaman's Bird Box as a go-to horror novel. Big time. I have a love-hate relationship with the post-apocalyptic movies. Some I get of it. them are like really, really, really good. And some of them are just so terrible. Like, they're just yes. not well-written. They're not shot well, Well, it, we're in a, a time of oversaturation of yeah. dystopia and apocalypse. Exactly. I mean, they, they, those books have been written for decades. Yeah. But right now, there's, even before this current administration, uh, <laughs> there was plenty to, to mine for this well i mean a lot of your zombie stories are essentially post-apocalyptic too because it's just another aspect of it so yeah but it really gets played out this one brought a lot of fresh things to it okay and uh and and those stories are always best when kept intimate Mm -hmm. and this is very intimate i don't know if i'd survive in that because i I'd be driven by curiosity at some point. Well, maybe just a glimpse. That's all it <laughs> and that's all it takes. You it's... are the cat that curiosity killed. And Mallerman, he's he's a guy that's he's in a band. He's been in a band for years. This is his first novel. So he's a musician first and novelist second. And now he's doing really well with the novel. Maybe he's not a musician first anymore. Hmm. Hmm. So, hey, hey, what are you reading? Write to us, comments at uglycatshow.com. 
And until next week, I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. Fact Check Dandy. I'll talk to you next week in Geek. Wow, that seemed to go really fast. Pick up some Lord of Light. That was that was that just flew, man. Yeah, we yeah, had some conversations. Yeah, it was good. I liked it. Yeah. I, I I blame Matt. Is that is that what it yeah, is? Yeah, he's slowing shit down. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Got to ship him ship his ass back to Canada. Oh, it's not like he actually <laughs> says much when he's on the show though. He just grunts and yells <laughs> at me. We're gonna start calling him Anchor Matt. Anchor, Anchor Matt. Matt. Anchor Matt. <laughs> Air brake Matt. <laughs> I re- you know what, Bird Box, I don't like to reread novels. It's very rare. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's true. Yeah, I think I've reread The Rising by Brian Keene, uh, It by Stephen King, and that's the only things that come to mind. Wow. I've got a couple and of- I would reread Bird Box. That's funny. That also explains your, uh, your, your output in reading, because I reread a lot. I've, re- ah. I've reread um, Lord of Light like uh, a half dozen times. Oh wow! And, you know, Black Company. I've reread. Uh, I, I, I when we were talking about the first Black Company book, I was wondering, I was like, how do you remember this much about it? Yeah. Right. Oh, uh, because I've read it because, over and over. Right. And I've read it the one time, and I'm like, I can kind of remember some names. Yeah. <laughs> I've read um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Okay, that one I've read a couple times. And but just the first book, Fear and Loathing Las Vegas, probably oh. twenty times a piece. Seriously? Yeah. Wow. I've only yeah. read Hitchhikers once, and I've never read any of the follow-up material. I read the Rings trilogy. It's it's funny because now that I'm older, it doesn't the 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 sentence doesn't mean as much as when I was younger. But for a period of ten years, I reread it once every year for oh, ten wow. years straight. Wow! Wow! I only ever read it the one time, and I just remember it took me so long to get through. And that was it was one of the fastest reads of a series of books that I've ever done because I was just like I was just devouring the pages. But I, I read it in in high school early on, so it was like read the books, and then I was just like, wow, that was amazing. And then I had I never went back to them. I've, but probably, I've probably read Watchmen a dozen times. Jeez. Watchmen, as in the comic book? Yeah. I, I don't think that counts. <laughs> you, you do get something different from every you read do. that one. Yeah, it, I, that definitely rewards That one's definitely rereadable. So I've, then it I've does got on my count. list of things I need to read. I've got to reread Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, because that one, as you as you grow, it, ah. there's new stuff to find in there. There's new, it, it speaks to different parts of your psyche. Interesting. Is, I still haven't read it the first time. What Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. Okay. Yeah. What's it about? Uh, it's, it's about building a motorcycle. Part philosophical treaties and part road trip. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad you like it because uh, uh, one other person who used to talk to me about it all the time mm-hmm. is a big Ayn Rand head. Uh-huh. So I sometimes uh-huh. was like, I wonder about this book. I've got it, but yeah. I, I've never, I've never gotten deep into it. I, I think I attempted it once, maybe got about fifty pages in, and again, shiny object, and I. Again, I've probably said this on the show before because it's one of my favorite lines from any book. We were making good time with the emphasis on the good. Ah, that's good. Yeah. That's a good line. It's probably not exactly the right quote, but it's it's in that neck, neck of the woods. So speaking of Ayn Rand, um, there is one, there's only one fantasy novel, uh, parts of a series, that I have reread more than once. And that is a Wizard's First Rule. Mm, uh, Terry, Terry Goodkind. Yep. Um, the if you're a libertarian, I know we got plenty of libertarian listeners. That's the fantasy series I recommend for you. Yeah. That's it's well written, but with a very libertarian philosophy behind it. Mm. But uh, that especially those first three books, those are really good. 
It, it gets a little preacher as it goes on, and then at the end of it, kind of All like, right. we're going to, I'm going to close this off. And then he apparently wrote a few more books in the mm. series that I haven't read. But but those first three are good. And uh, just reading the <clears throat> Wizard's First Rule alone, that's a thousand pager. It's a monster. Yeah. Yeah. Alice Shrugged is essentially a science fiction novel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, there's that whole joke about Atlas, Sh- Atlas Shrugged and Lord of the Rings. One's a fantasy with a... Uh, uh, an evil empire and the rebellious people who rise up to overthrow it and save humanity, and the other one has orcs. Right. 